check it out, hey, 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 check it out. It's like meeting Sasquatch out on the trail. Then y'all discuss heaven and hell. His point of view, you'll never know. But oh, that's French radio. You want some podcasts that shoot from the hip? Little talk of little great dudes aboard their ship. Then there's one place you gotta go. There's fringe, there's fringe radio. There's fringe radio. Clear Knucklehead Show Coming to you live From the very tip top Of Crawford Mountain And up here At the top Of Crawford Mountain on a little road called Circle Drive up here I get a a different perspective I get a whole different point of view from up here I'm in a different reality sometimes. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I feel like I'm in an institution with crazy people. Sometimes I do. Alright, well, before I get started, let me get started. This is uh, the Nuclear Knucklehead Show, and if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can do that at uh, Nuclear Knucklehead 
at yahoo.com nuclear knucklehead at yahoo.com you can hear this show on the friend radio network courtesy of uh, Johnny Iron Johnny Iron he has sexy curves yeah sexy curves curves <laughs> well he's just sexy so I'm told well I, I, I infer um well anyway at the Friends Radio Network you can hear this and you can hear it on our anchor.fm and all kinds of other podcast players. But today I was thinking I'm hearing a lot about the founding fathers. And what do you think they would be doing? And so I asked myself what would Scooby do? I did. But what would our founding fathers do today if they were around? Some people say, um, um, they wouldn't stand for this. There would be people dying. Yeah. That there must be a civil war heading our way. Because that's what our founding fathers would do to the do do. Well, you know, I was thinking about old George and Tom and Ben and. Adams and Hancock and I was thinking that those are the founding fathers but who were the founding grandfathers who did these founding fathers look up to you know kind of like Obama like old Jeremy Wright that really uh, white people hating preacher yeah that's who Obama looked up to and sat around and listened to and got up and went to church to listen to now he might tell you different I don't know but he he went there a lot. Well, you know, I went to church too, and sometimes I didn't pay attention to the old preacher man. But some of that time I was a child. But I was thinking, who 
pray tell to George, George, George of the Jungle, and uh, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, and and people like them. And I was thinking Francis Bacon. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. You you know where I'm coming from, right? Sir Francis Bacon. And uh, I was uh, introduced to him many moons ago with uh, the new Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote a story about the new Atlantis and and uh, the way it was introduced to me that that was like his uh, plan for America. Yeah, and uh, you can get this book. Uh, it's free. It's in the public domain. You can get it online and put it on your phone or whatnot. Oh yeah, but um, old Francis Bacon. Well, he was uh born back in the middle of the 1500s, and um, uh, 1561. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And, um, that was kind of a, a good time when, uh, Francis was born. That was kind of like during the, uh, the Renaissance. He was a Renaissance man, but there were a few other guys before him, like, uh, uh, was it Galileo? Maybe I don't know about Da Vinci. Um, Machiavelli. Uh, oh, I don't know. I can't think right now. Sorry. John D. His buddy. Uh, Crazy Man Kelly. And, uh, and another thing way back when, not so far way back, but, uh, moved to, um, Ashland, Oregon. And they have the William Shakespeare Festival there. And uh, they got like this kind of replica of his um, place in England that he would perform like a mock-up of like the place he was in that burnt down a time or two maybe. But anyway, it's a bunch of educated uh, hippies in that area. So I looked into... Um, Shakespeare and uh, and it didn't take long to connect Shakespeare and 
Sir Francis Bacon. Yeah. Needless to say, I had plenty to talk about with the old uh, hippies in the uh, Ashland, Oregon area. Mm-hmm. Remember how I say sometimes you got to speak to people in their own language? Well, sometimes you got to learn about William Shakespeare to talk to people. I mean, I knew about him. I'd read about him, but have a conversation about him. Maybe in a little bit, we'll talk about him a little bit more as to where and what and how it was connected to Francis Bacon. Surely there's a joke or two with the last name of Bacon, right? I'll try not to go there. So, um, one of the other things when you get into Bacon is you find out that this dude is kind of like the father of the scientific method. Yes, the scientific method. Non-biased observations. Observations that can be tested and you can draw conclusions after the experiments. This is where he is at. And it's funny that he would because um, one of the things I heard a long, long, long time ago about Francis Bacon was um, there was a bunch of really smart people sitting around a table. Now, this is back in, you know, he's probably about 13 or 18, I don't know, but we'll call it like 1580. So this is just a bunch of people back then. And the Renaissance are trying to figure things out at this point, coming out of the old Dark Ages, I suppose. <clears throat> and getting together and getting to where we are today a lot of the things they thought about out loud back then were the very beginning you know the medicines and art and oh yeah a lot of things math yeah you had to be careful with how you did your math back in in those days though even though it was a renaissance you uh, you didn't want to be able to explain why two and two were four you just wanted to understand that that's just what it is and how it got there <laughs> and they kind of looked at like people who did math as like somebody looking over God's shoulder you know, kind of like a backseat driver, I suppose. <coughs> so, uh, yeah, so there's these guys, they're all in this room, and they're discussing how many teeth were in a horse's mouth. And they wanted to 
just debate this and go back and forth over it and uh, none of them really realizing that what they really needed to do was just go get a horse and count its teeth yeah imagine that so the scientific method and um he uh spent a lot of time as a kid back in those days you know his daddy was a big hoodoo in the um king's court back in those days was it the king or queen at that time king henry or uh i don't think it was for mary maybe elizabeth anyway his dad was like a holder or something big time he was like the number two dude kind of if you want to look at it like that he had a lot of authority had like a seal or something walked around with a seal but um so uh little mister um Francis Bacon was educated very well as a kid and he was one of the kids that uh well he kind of dug it and uh and he must have had some really good teachers or influencers at the time because um Bacon had it in his head that uh he was here to help mankind become better yeah that's kind of what he believed that's my take on Francis Bacon is that uh, this guy might have been really genuine so um We'll go into um, when he went. He, when he went to school, right? And he was homeschooled, and it was one of those kind of homeschooled where he um, he learned a couple different languages, uh, like French or Latin, and he become pretty fluent in that kind of stuff. And he had like a brother he went to school with too, and uh, so he was educated enough at like age 13 he went to uh, the university or whatever the hell it is back in the 1570s and he's digging it he likes the old uh, education scene and uh, he's having fun and uh He's doing a little bit of everything, getting all the education he can get. So he gets into the arts a little bit and uh, ends up writing a play. Let me see. Uh, wrote it down here somewhere. Knights of the Helmet. Knights of the Helmet. And um, he... Um, In this, he had different things, right? That you could fight different 
stuff. You know, the helmet did made you invisible, maybe, and the boots made you fast, and the shield made you strong, and uh, you had a sword. Anyway, then you had a a spear that you shake at ignorance. Okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do that again. And he wrote about in his little play one of the weapons of the time, which he was like doing like a um, above the Athena, Athens, Athena, yeah, the goddess Athena, the helmet, yeah, and. Um, So everybody had everything. So, you know, the goddess's helmet and the the shield and the probably the chest plate, whatever. I didn't read the whole play by any means. Um, Anyway, he had the spear that you shook at ignorance. A spear you shake at ignorance. Spear you shake at ignorance alright shaking a spear at ignorance that's probably (laughs) the operative sentence of my whole thinking today Well, little Mr. Uh, Francis Bacon, I wonder if they called him Frankie. Hey, Frankie. No, nah, he's English, so I think he spent his time in and around London town kind of thing. Yeah, so, he goes to school, goes into the university at like 13, and by the 1580s, he's got him a good education going on, and, uh, he's a pretty smart fella, and, uh, most everybody likes him, you know, and at this point, Who's to say he didn't hang out with some John D a little bit? John D, you know, he was uh, maybe the first 007. Because Francis Bacon goes into doing some uh, smart decoding for the old queen himself. Yeah, so if John D's alive, yeah, and he probably is because he lived to be about 80. So they would have been running around. In the same circle.
And back in those days, in the 1580s, they had the uh, they had some issues with the uh, the Puritans and the Catholics, Protestants and the Catholics, and uh, they were wanting to uh, you know tar feather and gut Catholics at that time in England and uh, Francis Bacon. like to give peace a chance he was a renaissance man you know that's not how you treat people in a civilized world needless to say uh, those people didn't really want to hear that kind of thing at that time not really I must say. And he, uh, was, uh, uh, he was, uh, good buddies with the old, uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, for a little while. Back in 86. Yeah, I think he, um, he did some judge advocating back then over that. Because, uh, Miss, uh, Mary, I think she died in 86, or no. Uh, she was put in jail in 86 and died in 87. Yeah, 1587. Queen Elizabeth. Um, had a hard time at that point yeah <laughs> she had to I guess uh, had to put her foot down over the rebellion uh, that some people had yeah could be wrong that's right. As somebody might say that somebody else said it, Owen Benjamin might have said, is that, uh, I could be wrong, but I'm not lying. Anyway, after all that said and done, um, uh, 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 Scotland to be king at that time and you just need to hold off a couple more years on that deal <clears throat> and uh, 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 that was where uh, Bacon kind of made his thing it was all about him doing some court deal I apologize. <laughs> anyway, that was about the time, though. He, uh, about 1590-something, he's bending the old ear of Queen Elizabeth, who was a pretty damn good queen from 
everything I can tell. Seemed like she was pretty decent. I mean, you had the Renaissance going on. And, um, he had her ear, so it means he, he had like little secret code things he did with her and her, her war. There was a lot going on, like Sir Raleigh was going on at that time, too. There was a lot of major things happening back in those days. Really, there were. And old, uh, 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 Bacon, he spent a lot of time at this, uh, famous Gray's Inn, this is where, like, little, uh, wannabe, uh, lawyers and power brokers hung out, and, uh, that was where old John D. took off out of one night with his buddy Kelly which was one of John D's really bad mistakes which you know there they are hanging out in the same place you know well uh, uh, Francis Bacon had like his lawyer's office hooked up there for a while and he was a lawyer for a long time. Unheard of. And this whole time that he's doing things, he really is trying to get people going on. You know, he was in the star chamber. And that was where, and there's another thing, old John D. was in that. He was, well, that was the star chamber is like where the elite meet to eat. <laughs> so that's where, like, uh, they didn't think the common man knew how to handle these rich dudes. So they would take it upon themselves to dole out the punishment to the rich people. And that was the star chamber. And, um, let's see. Old Bacon wasn't loaded. His dad had some money, a little bit, but he didn't plan on everything. So when he died, he kind of left little Bacon, who's a smart dude, wanting to be a superhero and save the world not the kind of funds you need back in the late 1500s to change the world so I thought it was unique that he, he wrote a lot of letters to a lot of people in power telling them how he could change the world which was something that John D also did And John D. was a unique character, too, so he's kind of like, you know, a great-grandfather of America when you go look into things. We'll talk about John D. later. You know, he's an interesting kind of freak. Interesting freak. 
But one of the things Bacon was known for, or I get, was he was all about questioning and debating. He wanted that to be something. And that is like a summary of a summary of bacon. You know, I guess I could go into it a bunch. I need to read up on him a little bit more, but he had vision and he wrote it all down and and I'm not really getting to the finer points of old Francis Bacon but Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin all these guys knew who he was knew what he wanted to do and thought he was a brilliant man because he was and Bacon was the kind of guy he had to ride the fence because there was politics going on back then. You know, you had the, the Puritans, the Protestants, and the Catholic thing going on. And it, it was always kind of changing back and forth of who was in charge. You know, I think that was kind of like John D's problem. He kind of, for somebody known for maybe looking at the future things, he really had a hard time picking the right team or making the right choice or listening to the right person Bacon was a little smarter than that but you had D and Machiavelli to learn from back in those days but my theory though is when you do go looking for old William Shakespeare it doesn't take long before you start scratching your head and wondering if he was even alive and Shakespeare put I don't know 10,000 words into the English language something I don't know 3,000 14,000 I guess it depends on who's who saying what but even if it is just 3,000 words back in those days that's a lot of words just to come up with that weren't around until he wrote them down when you get into reading some of Bacon's stuff, you'll find him using words that's no longer around. <laughs> I don't know if he was making them up at the time and trying to pass them off as real words, or You know, without jumping into all kinds of crazy evidence and trying to convince anybody, because this is my own little journey about Bacon and and Shakespeare. And uh, 
I can't prove anything, but I do. I think oh, uh, Bacon is Shakespeare. Because remember how, you know, shake the spear at ignorance. There is a, uh, a love poem, a sonata, that uh, Bacon wrote to his girlfriend. And, uh, and I believe you can find that dated three years before the very same thing that William Shakespeare wrote. So, maybe they knew each other. A lot of people walked around in the gardens with old uh, Francis Bacon and Bull language with him. And who knows what he said to those people and what they discussed. And, you know, maybe he planted a seed in a guy named William Shakespeare. Which would be very hard to find that guy. And I'm telling you because uh, um, almost every time he signed his name, he signed it different. Okay? There you go. How about that? His kids were illiterate. I don't know why that makes it a big deal, but... But that's just my own little thinking. And, uh... It took a little while. When I was in Ashland, Oregon, that's when I was like, I don't know if old uh, Shakespeare's even real. I remember telling my girlfriend at the time. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm sure the experts say, but you know what? I don't know. They don't know. They should just uh, admit that. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But it's a good theory. Some people think I'm crazy, and there's a few people think, hey, you know what, that guy ain't too far off. Maybe one day we'll we'll talk about Machiavelli. I'm like, that guy really would have walked the streets with some really crazy famous people in his days. Isn't that crazy? I'm drinking a drink and I'm drinking my drink. Now, some people also talk about Bacon being part of the old uh, Illuminati Masons. And he might have been. But I think he had a different mission. I think he really was on a mission to help mankind. Now that's just my personal opinion. 
And I think he would have been very diplomatic on how he spoke to people who had bad intentions back in those days. He was pretty good at that. Mm. And he did spend a lot of time writing, trying to get people to give him money so he could help out mankind. Maybe that's what I need to do. Hey, Governor of California. This is D.O.G. I could solve the world's problems without even trying. Send me some money and I'll tell you how. Yeah, first you gotta pay me and then I'll tell you. And just send that to all of them. Think I would work? Think I could get away with that? But I do think Bacon would be disappointed in his new Atlantis. And I think Machiavelli could tell you what govern government you should be using. John D. will tell you what day to start it all. Oh yeah. Well. There you go. You think there's a gonna be a civil war in a new Atlantis? Atlantis story destroyed itself, right? Blew itself up, sunk. We'll get the old Star of Bethlehem popping up on December 21st. Jupiter and Saturn. I looked at Saturn last night and it was looking really dim. I can't imagine there being a really bright anything other than whatever Jupiter is. I don't see them conjuncting and becoming super duper bright. But we shall see. A lot of stuff going on. I don't really want to talk about it. It's the 10th of December. 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm D.O.G. And you're listening to the number one least listened to podcast in the universe. 
which makes you pretty rare too and I love you a bushel and a peck a bushel and a peck and a hug around your neck no really you are you're pretty special and I appreciate you being you Well, don't forget, you can hear this show, The Nuclear Knucklehead, on the Fringe Radio Network. Don't forget to uh, come poke the bear at FringePanda.com for the live stream of the Fringe Radio Network. So you never know what you're going to find on there. Could be Let's Get Jacked or Michael Basham or... Johnny or somebody maybe even me one night I need to do that if you'd like to hear some live shows and figure out to do some live chat let me know at nuclearknucklehead at yahoo.com well I'm D.O.G and this is Nuclear Knucklehead coming to you live from the very tip top of Crawford Mountain. Oh yeah, up here on a little road called Circle Drive. And until next time, I'll see you then.